Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and that is Tam. That is she. Hey, hey. <laughs> How you doing, Tam? How are you, Renee? I'm doing good. I'm doing fantastic this weekend. We can't even really say weekend because the weekend is not over. We're just recording the show a little earlier than we usually do because as everyone knows, we were racing under the lights at Bristol. That is correct. And, you know, it just seemed weird because although it was a Saturday, it almost felt like we raced on a Friday night, like it was Friday night lights. Yeah, that, that's true. I, You know, I like I like night races sometimes. They just just to see a race under the lights is just I don't know. It's just something about it. I don't know if it's the uh, atmosphere, the ambiance of it. It's just I love it. Do you, I don't know about you, Tam, but uh, I, I, I actually do enjoy night races. I enjoy a Sunday night. Well, no, I can't say I would enjoy a Sunday night race only because I have too much TV to watch on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between The Walking Dead and, well, now it's Fear of the Walking Dead and I have Homeland. I have a lot of TV shows to watch on Sunday, so I can't say it would be okay on a Sunday night. I just, for me, I like NASCAR on Sunday. It is the routine. I don't like my routine interrupted. And I feel like this weekend, my routine was interrupted. Luckily, I don't have a life, so I was able to watch the race Saturday. But I always think, what about people who do have a life? Can they watch every race? If I put it out there on Twitter, I asked some of our Twitter friends, what were they doing? Were they watching the race? Where were they watching the race? Just a few questions. And surprisingly, a lot of people chimed in. And they said they were watching the race and that they were at home and on their couches. Wow. Many people were like they were watching it on TV. Some people were listening on the app. Some people were listening on the radio. I was actually really surprised. Wow, that's awesome. And there was one guy, and I just want to make sure to give him a shout out. So if you guys give me a second, I will pull up his information. Because I got into on Twitter because I, you know, was on the Twitter on Saturday during the Mm -hmm. race. We got into a really great exchange about pizza because he posted that he was actually propped up in front of the TV with some homemade pizza. And I was just curious to know. So he told me everything about his pizza and how he made it. And that guy's name is Dennis Stevens. That's his Twitter name. We know sometimes people don't use their real name on Twitter, right. but on Twitter, his name is Dennis Stevens and his username is Parker Tech Guy. So that's Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R Tech, T-E-C-H Guy. He really taught me something about pizza. The key to how he makes his pizza is he puts his dough in a cast iron pan and he lines it with a little olive oil. Wow. So it makes the crust crispy. Yeah. And he says once he pulls it out the oven, if it's not quite as crispy as he would like it to be, he just turns, he puts it on top of the stove and turns on the fire. And that's for people who have a gas stove. I know many people have electric stoves, which 
I can tell you, I had an electric stove before. I'm not a fan of electric stove. Oh, yeah. I'm old school gas. Just turn on the gas and let's see the well, fire. I tell you what, <laughs> I do love me some pizza. And uh, that actually sounds delicious. <laughs> I asked him what kind of sauce did he use. And he said that he just uses a can of tomato sauce and he adds some spices and he simmers it until it's thick. This guy's been around pizza a while, it sounds like. Oh, uh, yeah, because I'm telling you. <laughs> I was like, let me dig in the bottom of my kitchen cabinet and find one of those old school cast iron pans and uh make. Well, see, I wouldn't actually. He makes his own dough. Me, I would just buy it from Trader Joe's. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so enough about pizza. That was my weekend. Renee's weekend. No Vegas this no week. No Vegas this right? weekend. The weekend, for the most part, I don't want to speak on your behalf, Renee, but I think I can. It, it was pretty uneventful. Yeah, well, mine was just uh, eventful in the sense that I not only uh, did I I move, it was just too much moving. And and, uh, if anybody has ever moved before, which I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has moved some point in their life, and it is just a headache. And uh, I was too exhausted to do anything. I didn't even have my TV set up to watch anything, so I had to go down to the local bars to watch uh, all the sporting uh, events. and uh, But the, to be honest with you, Tim, the area I moved in is uh, really close to a lot of bars. That's the beauty of, of where I moved. So now I, I have access, if, just in case something is wrong with my, my TV, I can go down the street into a bar and watch whatever sporting event I want to watch. So it's perfect. Translation to everything Renee just said is, there's always an excuse to go to his local exactly. bar. <laughs> On that note, Let's jump into Richmond result. Let's do it. The top 10, Kyle Busch. So both of us actually picked Kyle Busch to win. Yes, we did. We're winners, just like Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch has won three consecutive races in a row, starting with, yeah, starting with Texas Motor Speedway. So he won at Texas, Bristol, and Richmond. I am a two-time winner because I picked him to win two consecutive weeks. I picked him to win last week and this week. So, hey, I'm patting myself on the Very back. Job. And Renee, he just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kyle Busch is your winner for Richmond. Chase Elliott came in second place, which was kind of, I, I didn't see it coming. I don't think he saw it coming either because it came out of no place. That One of those late cautions just put him in a great yeah. position. Denny Hamlin, who raced pretty well all night, it's interesting because it wasn't really all night because a good portion of that race was in the daytime. I guess they turned on the lights, but it didn't get dark until very late. Yeah. I don't know. Is it daylight savings time? Okay, I do this every week. I'm so sidetracked. <laughs> it. Let me just stick to the top 10. Denny Hamlin came in third. Joey Logano, fourth. Kevin Harvick, fifth. Jimmy Johnson, sixth. Kyle Larson, 7th. Brad Keselowski, 8th. Clint Boyer, ninth. Oh, my God. I really thought Clint was going to win at one point, but hey. And Daniel Suarez quietly came in 10th. Some notables from the race. I must mention Kurt Busch because it looked like Kurt Busch was also going to win. In fact, at one point, all four of the Stuart Haas drivers were running top 10. And when I say top 10, let me kind of explain that. There was Kurt, Harvick, and Clint, top five. And then there was Eric Amarola rounding out the top 10. 
all four drivers actually for Stuart Haas ran really, really well at Richmond. Truex Jr. had a heartbreaking loss. And I say that because he looked like he was going to win. It wasn't even that many laps left. And I was like, oh, he has this unless Kyle Busch is able to overcome him. And then that late pit stop, man, I don't know what happened. I I just saw, I remember he was in the first pit stall. As the cameras did both angles, you saw Kyle Busch come in, pit, and it was almost as if when he was done with his his pit stop, Martin Truex Jr. was just getting into the pit. It was just really weird. And then he was there forever. When he came off pit road, he wasn't in first place. He was kind of behind. Well, not kind of. He was way behind considering. Other notables, Ryan Newman, his day was done. He had to go to the garage. In fact, I think he was the only car that did not finish yeah, the I race. Yeah, that was uh, one of those things where it was just really weird where like you, normally if you, if you know somebody uh, didn't finish the race, it's usually like it's usually like a good several cars that end up going to the garage and then don't finish. But he was the only one. Kind of weird. Yeah, I think so. Don't yeah. quote me, but I'm almost positive that he was the only car. It may have been one other car, but I think he was the only one. And one other notable is Ryan Blaney. Blaney came in 22nd. And one of the reasons why I wanted to mention Blaney, just my own observation. And again, this is just the eye test, me looking at the results. It could have been something that I missed. But I don't know if you see what I see, but every week we're talking about the veteran drivers. Like the whole hype coming into this season was the youth movement, the young guys, the young guys, this, they're going to do that. But it has proved to be with nine races so far this season, it's proved to be a veterans game. Every week we're calling out the veterans and they're in their rightful places. Right. I mean, and I don't, I don't know that word rightful may sound a little strong, but we're not calling out Jimmy Johnson, although he hasn't, he's just starting to run a little bit better. We're not calling his name in 36. Right. Each week. I mean, even when you look at the top 10, aside from Chase Elliott and well, and I guess Daniel Suarez, again, I don't like to consider Larson a young guy because he's just only a few months away from being a veteran. Everybody else in the top 10 is an old man, a vet. Okay, we shouldn't say the word old because Joy Logano <laughs> is all a 27. Yeah. We forget that he's not even 30. But you guys understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about the veterans. And even and, Kislowski, you can throw into that too. I mean, we're not even going to include the fact that his receding hairline is so bad, but uh, especially at his young age. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like these guys are just like, they're young, but they're just right in there with the other veteran drivers like Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Harvick. They've been racing forever and they're still so young. It's just amazing. We didn't get a chance to actually talk, talk about it because we did our podcast before Dale Jr. posted his Dale Jr. download with his special guest, Kyle Busch. But one thing we forget Dale Jr. is in his 40s and Kyle Busch is in his 30s. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Kyle Busch reminded us of that when he was talking to Dale. I listened to all of that podcast and it was very entertaining. It went, I think the runtime was like one hour and 20 minutes. (laughs) It was one hour and 19 minutes. And 
it was really, really good. But something that came up and they were talking about age and I was like, yeah, you forget that most people don't even realize Dale is almost the same age as Jimmy Johnson as well as Jeff Gordon. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because they're all right at that 43-ish. Not every single one of them is 43, but I'm just saying they're all around that 42, 43, 44 yeah. age bracket. And then you got Kyle Busch that's in his 30s. I know. Touching back on the race real quick and, is, and specifically uh, connecting the podcast uh, uh, with that. And that's why I think Kyle Busch winning uh, this past weekend at Richmond was just so significant because it was like the 10-year anniversary of you know, the infamous run-in with Dale Jr. And whether or not that started the whole Boo Birds with Kyle Busch, uh, it doesn't matter. But he wins the race and then he just dives into the the stands with the fans. And I'm just like, wow, I, I didn't see that coming. But uh, okay, thank God he he survived. But just to win the race, the anniversary of infamous run-in, his third win in a row. I mean, it's like, I can't remember when's the last time there were several race car drivers who won three in a row in the same season. I don't know if that's happened before, but I'd like to know. Like, man, I, if, if there's any listeners out there that maybe would like to look that up and let us know, please hit us up on our social media across the board at Turns No Breaks on Twitter and Instagram and let us know because I'd like to know, Tam. I don't know. Have, do you remember if there was ever another time that that happened? And Facebook. I just had to add that. Kyle has done it before. So it's been done before, but I don't remember how long ago it's been done. But just adding to what you were saying about Kyle Bush going in the stands, when he came in the media center to talk to the media, somebody asked him about it, whether or not he had planned on doing it or what have you. And <laughs> he said that he said maybe once, but probably not. And then he also added, he said it was a 10 year anniversary. And I'm quoting him, his exact words. He's like, you know what? I was wondering if I'd come out alive. I think it certainly was different tonight. I saw a lot of yellow there at the front <laughs> fence. So obviously the 10-year anniversary, he's referring to him and Dale Jr.'s beef that went down 10 years ago at Richmond. And when he says yellow, he's talking about people with the M&M yep. colors on. Exactly. Things have definitely changed for Kyle Busch. Yeah. But it, really has. it only takes him to do one thing for them to turn against him again. Oh, yeah, to, absolutely. It only takes that one incident where people go, oh, okay, he's back to being Kyle Busch again. You know, <laughs> whatever that means. Denny gets into it with Chase Elliott. And actually, was that at Richmond last year? You know what? Year? I think it might have been. No, that wasn't that far. Huh? I think it might have been. I feel like it was yeah. Richmond, but it was the second race at Richmond. But either way, Denny got into it with Chase and he became public enemy number one. So the moral of this story for any NASCAR drivers who happen to find the All Turns No Breaks podcast and you're listening, don't mess with a popular driver. Right. Especially and you'll at be fine. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of popular drivers i guess we should talk about jimmy johnson although we talked about him a little bit let's go back to talking about jimmy i know there was some news about him and his sponsorship and it wasn't really so much news i guess he was just saying that he it's a great time to sponsor him well you know the whole thing about it is is that lowe's brand is actually um stepping down from nascar which has been jimmy johnson's only sponsor for his entire career 
Well, not only sponsor. We know he had more, but his main sponsor. <laughs> just want to clarify that for those who are like, what is Renee talking about? He knows what he's talking about. He just. Yeah, is- I know. It's It's been his main sponsor for years. And, uh, you know, the thing is, Jimmy Johnson was that he is in no way, shape or form mentally even thinking about retirement, Tam. And that's what's crazy is that is he in the twilight of his career? Yeah, probably so. Maybe people might see that that way. But if you ask Jimmy Johnson, he's going to be the first one to tell you, dude, I'm I'm not even thinking about retirement. So what if I, I, I've won seven championships? I don't care. Maybe I want to win seven more. I'm still motivated. I, I still get up and I just can't turn off the motivation of, of wanting to compete. I just can't I can't do that, at at least not now. He was saying that he's just more motivated than ever. And I believe him, Tam. I believe him. You know what? I I understand he's Mr. Seven Time and he's up there with Hall of Famers as Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt Sr. But this is a guy who, who still wants to race and he still has all the motivation to race. And now he's just got to find that sponsor who would like to come in and go to the next level of his career. Whatever level that is, is is there another level up? Or is it kind of going down on the the outs? Uh, I don't know, and he doesn't know. But he wants whoever it is, whatever the next sponsor is going to be, he wants him to be coming in knowing that he's going to make a commitment to continue to do the best that he can, despite how many years he's been racing. And he's still motivated as ever, Tim. Going back to that article, like Renee mentioned, it was on the Charlotte Observer, but it was actually... Written by uh, Jenna Fryer, and I guess it was on Associate Press and Charlotte Observer syndicated the article. I believe that's how it happened. But nonetheless, it's a great article. If you guys haven't read it, make sure to check it out. She kind of went deep with Jimmy in regards to what his plans are when it came to retirement. One of the things Jimmy was very clear on is that He's not done competing. Even when his NASCAR career wraps, there, I mean, I think he has, well, I don't think based on what I've read, he may have an itch to go race in IndyCar. Yes. Yes. That you is know, correct. He, he talked about Formula One as well, but I guess the wife vetoed that because she's not a fan of open wheel racing. Yeah. And you know what? That's true. I mean, I agree. It, it is a lot more dangerous. And, uh, you know, that open wheel racing is just, and I get it. You know, it's his wife. He's got young children to look after. You would hate to have anything just unfortunate happen. I can understand her point of view with it. But at the same time, you know, that's what's uh, hard about athletes in general. It's so hard to step aside. And we see this across the board, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's boxing, whether it's football, baseball, it's tough, man. And that's why when these guys, they have to hang it up, it's for n- no other reason than this has been their life for years. They have a hard time stepping down, Tim. Once a competitor, always a competitor. I think that's what Jimmy is saying. And I know we all know that to be true. Me, I mean, at this point, nobody does it for the money. But me, I would enjoy my millions. I would say, see you later. Wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> exactly. Right off into the sunset with my seven titles. Right, Tim? <laughs> oh, I did want to add one thing. Staying with the whole Jimmy Johnson thing. Hendrick, I don't know if Hendrick Motorsports is turning over, but all four drivers were top 20. William Byron ran really well. He pretty much ran in the top 10 all night at Richmond. And the rest of the drivers all finished top 20. So kudos to Hendrick Motorsports racing. 
just now that you said that, you can kind of actually take a look at this and go, well, if you look at all the other drivers at Hendricks, we're talking about these young drivers who you just kind of mentioned. And I don't want to say maybe they're trying to move Johnson out the way. I don't think they would ever do that. But I think there's still a lot left in his tank, regardless of, of the younger drivers surrounded by him. And don't get me wrong, these younger drivers that are on his team, they're really good. They're not just a name that's just driving out there on the track. I mean, these young guys are driving really well. But I still believe that Johnson can still outrun these young guys and still hang with the best of them. True indeed. There's not much to talk about this weekend, Renee. No, not much, but uh, it's been a good week. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is true because we haven't let the NASCAR news marinate. But then at the same token, you know, NASCAR always has a lot of drama. This weekend was pretty much drama free. There is some positiveness going on. I don't know. Is positiveness a word? Positivity. There's some positivity happening. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. Like one of the things I don't, I try to keep up a little bit with the staff, NASCAR staff. You know, you got to know who's the boss aside from the Francis. I do keep up with who's working where and what department. I just randomly saw a tweet from Adam Stern over at Sports Business Journal talking about NASCAR.com and Tim Clark, who's the VP of NASCAR Digital Media. And for those who don't know, Tim handles everything and all things digital for NASCAR. That's the best way to sum it up. There was an article on Richmond.com that pretty much went in depth in regards to what's going on. And Tim's main focus and his short-term goal is to bring a 360-degree camera inside the car. So that's great news for NASCAR fans. I mean, I'm perfectly fine with the way things are. But hey, if you want to get in the car and ride along with them, virtual reality style, Tim is really it's at the top of his list to make that happen. So that's great for NASCAR. I mean, I I guess it could be great too, maybe to attract more fans to the sport. It'll attract more and relate more to the younger fans coming in. I think the younger fans actually might like that. This is a world we live in with, with video games where you can literally like feel like you're actually in the moment, whether you're fighting dragons or dinosaurs or whatever the case is. But something like that might resonate with the younger crowd coming in, the younger audiences that they're trying to get. Well, we'll see. Oh, and one other thing that has happened or that is going on. And again, this was something that Adam Stern from Sports Business Journal kind of talked about. There seems to be conflict. NASCAR does always have conflict. So although we can't really drum up a lot of drama this week to talk about on the podcast, of course, there's always something going on with NASCAR. I knew this because Renee and I had talked about going to Texas for the race, but I said, okay, there's no way I'm going to Texas and I'm not going to Jerry's World for the game until I quickly discovered that the NASCAR race and the game is at the same time. That may not be a big conflict for Texas Motor Speedway because their attendance and numbers seem to be okay. But for Indy, as in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, their NASCAR numbers for the Brickyard 400 aren't the best. And they've been declining for the last couple of years. And I know this one 
to be true. Like I used to always go to the Brickyard 400 with Crown Royal, the alcohol company, and they stopped sponsoring the race last year. A year before last, I think was their last time, but they didn't sponsor the race last year. NASCAR lost a major sponsor for the Brickyard 400 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, as well as attendance has been down. Ah. This year, guess what's going to happen? The Colts have a game (laughs) on that Sunday that the Brickyard 400 is running. We don't know what to expect, but it's not looking good because I kind of feel like I can't say where people are going to go. People might gravitate towards football than they will the NASCAR races. And that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Yeah. And not not only that. I've been to Indianapolis more than I care to remember because there's just not much going on in that city. But the stadium for the Colts is downtown. And when you go to Indianapolis for the Brickyard 400, at least every time I've been, I stay downtown because I feel like Indianapolis is only like this little three blocks radius, which is the downtown. But I don't know how that's going to play out with traffic, people trying to get home from the race to the race, all that good stuff. So it should be interesting. So aside from that, that's pretty much the only drama we have to report this week. I guess we can move on to predictions. Like, I don't even feel like I want to go to a fan comment of the week, only because we haven't haven't done our NASCAR Twitter chat. I was going to say in a while, but it was just one week. We didn't do it last, last week because... It was the race was postponed and we ran on Monday. Yeah. So we couldn't do the Twitter chat because the race was going on. And then this week we're recording the podcast before we actually do the Twitter chat. So granted, I could have combed through the Internet and found some comments. I could have went to NASCAR Reddit board. But I like to read the comments from our people, our tribe, our fans, our friends. We're going to forgo the Twitter chat this week and jump right into some predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Predictions. Who you got? Here we go, Tam. We are at Talladega. Am I correct? (laughs) Why would you know that we're at Talladega, baby? So here we go. Talladega, one of my favorite races, Uh, Tam. Let's see here. I'm actually going to go with a younger driver winning this race. And uh, I am going to go out on a limb here. And I, Tam, am going to say this with the utmost confidence. You mentioned his name about how he placed earlier in the podcast. And I didn't know if it was a big deal because of where he placed, but it didn't seem like it was really much to kind of like talk about. So I didn't really bring it up. But I'm going to go out on a limb, Tam. And I'm going to pick Chase Elliott to win Talladega. I don't even want to tell you what a big smile I have on my face as I'm saying this, but I'm going with Chase Elliott. He's going to win the race. And I don't know how, and I don't know in what manner he's going to win that race. I'm not saying he's going to dominate the race. All I'm saying is that one way or the other, I see Chase Elliott getting his first win, and it's going to be a Talladega. He's going to come away with a checkered flag. And if there's another driver that's going to be a veteran driver that's going to win that race, it may be Kyle Busch. He he might be able to squeak that out in the fourth in a row. But I also see Jimmy Johnson maybe pulling that out and coming out of left field and winning the race if it's not Chase Elliott. Those are my picks, and I'm sticking with them, Tam. Very intriguing pick. 
Very intriguing. So before I dive in and add my two cents, as in my picks for Talladega, you know the drill for our usual listeners. If you just come into the podcast, each week I give you the past 10 winners at the track that we are racing at. It's kind of like my gift to you, my history lesson to you. Of course, this information is available any place, but I do the research so you don't have to. So without further ado, the past 10 winners at Talladega. And this is for the first race each year at Talladega because we've raced twice at Talladega, once early in the year. And then the second race is usually around October time. 2008, Kyle Busch was your winner at Talladega. 2009, Brad Keselowski. 2010, Kevin Harvick. 2011, Jimmy Johnson. 2012, Brad Keselowski, 2013, David Reagan, 2014, Denny Hamlin, 2015, Dale Earnhardt Jr., 2016, Brad Keselowski, and 2017, because I was there, right there in his pit when he won Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Some notables, some patterns that I see. There aren't any because guess what? Talladega is any man's race to win because super speedways, restrictor plate racing is unpredictable. But I did see that your boy Brad Keselowski is a five-time cup winner at Talladega. Now, what I didn't see, and this is a little different than the way I usually do the notables, but I started to look and I was like, who hasn't won at Talladega? Because Talladega is really just a track where anybody can win is anybody's race to win and every driver's race to lose. I said, well, who hasn't won? And not too many of our veteran drivers have not won at Talladega. And if that wasn't clear, so all I'm saying is that most of our veteran drivers have won at Talladega. But hold on, because there are a few that haven't. Kurt Busch has not won at Talladega. At least he has not won a cup race or an Xfinity race. Because I was digging deep in the archives, he did win a IROC race in 2003. Ooh, that was 15 years ago. So we won't even count that. (laughs) So it's safe to say Kurt Busch has not won a race at Talladega. Martin Truex Jr. has not won a cup race at Talladega, but he did win an Xfinity race. Ryan Newman has not won anything at Talladega. And Eric Amarola. And I'm including Eric only because some of our listeners are true Eric Amarola fans, and he, at this point, is really considered a veteran. He has not, and a notable veteran. So obviously there are so many other drivers that I'm just omitting that are veterans, but I'm talking about the veterans that are popular, the ones that we talk about each week, the ones that win and and show up. And not that the other ones don't show up. Right. But like, okay, Cole Witt, I don't know. Is Cole Witt considered a veteran now? I know he's been racing about four years. So somebody like a Cole Witt is not included in notable veterans. So Eric Amarola has not won a cup race at Talladega, but he did win an Xfinity race. Forgive me in advance if I forgot somebody, but again, this is just the eye test, me looking at the history of Talladega and just trying to figure out who hasn't won a race. But I think I got everybody. Now you guys want to know who I'm going with. I really actually like the sound of Chase Elliott winning, but I don't think he's going to be my 
first pick. Okay. He's going to be my alternative pick, my young gun pick. So I'm definitely, I'm okay with Chase Elliott. He's, he's okay at the restrictor plate tracks. He can't ever close, at least not since he's been in the Cup Series, but Chase isn't bad. But you know what's interesting, though? Chase has not won at Talladega. Wow. Even in the Xfinity Series. That's just something to note. So on that note, I'm I'm feeling like Kyle Busch is hot. He's like real hot. <laughs> yeah, it's been eight years since Harvick won at Talladega in the Cup Series. And then Brad actually won in 2016. Okay, I'm stalling because I don't know who I'm going with. I am going to go with... I'm going with Denny Hamlin. There you go. You know why? Because Hamlin has been very aggressive. He just has an aggressive personality. So I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. Don't hold me to this pick. (laughs) Oh, no, I really feel like I should go with Kyle Busch because I do think he can make it four in a row. Okay, Uh I'm going with Kyle Busch for four in a row and Chase Elliott as my alternative. So those are my picks. And I'm not sticking to them because I'm unsure. (laughs) It's Talladega, (laughs) baby. Well, there you go. That's Tam going for Kyle Busch for four in a row. He's going to go and do a four bag. And it's possible that he could because there's two hot drivers that have been hot within the last six races. It's Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. That's for sure. Those are our picks. If you have any picks that you'd like to let us know, hit us up on our social media across the board at Turns No Breaks on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Hit us up on our website as well, www.allturnsnobreaks.com. And please find our podcast and let other people know about what a great podcast that we have for you and let them know about us. Turn them on. They can find us on Apple Podcasts. Is that correct, Tam? Each week, Renee asks me the same thing. So I'm just going to finish it for him. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. All you have to do is search for All Turns No Breaks NASCAR Podcast. Beautiful. I couldn't have said it better myself. For Tam, myself, this is All Turns No Breaks, and we will see you here next week. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 